what have you been doing? Have you been writing during your during your time? Unfortunately, um, I'm not one of those people that can write um, in convenient times. <laughs> I'm one of those people that writes when she has absolutely no extra time to be writing. Mm. Um, so yeah, I have been writing. Unfortunately, because I shouldn't be. I don't <laughs> have time to be doing that right now. Mm-hmm. But yeah, um, I've been writing. I've been like just consuming a lot of different types of art. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think just trying to trying to become a student of art as well, I think that's kind of important because I never really did that in school. So mm-hmm. I feel like in my extracurricular life, that's what I should be. That's really poetic. So what does it mean to be a student of art? Um, I think that artists should always be humble first um, in the sense that a lot of the time we think that we are creating everything, even the, the term creative, right? But I think a lot of the time we realize that everything that we we actually make is kind of a contribution to a conversation that's already been happening um that the idea has probably been had before um and i think once you recognize that your art is kind of just like an amalgamation of the the inspiration that exists outside of you when you realize that it's kind of like a dialogue that you take and then you give um a you're less concerned about being the most original person out there because you just do what you feel is right but then also you realize that like that you're you're adding to something greater um, yeah, I'm not one of those people. Some people just write for themselves. I don't really write for myself. Like, I, I think I write for connection. So I think a student, as a student, I've just been consuming so I can do my job properly, if that makes sense. Okay, well, on that touching note, <laughs> my name is Samah Ali, and I have a guest with me in the room. Would you like to introduce yourself? Hello, everybody. My name is Sarah Qasim Mohammed. Wow, I am so touched right now. And you know what? What flavor tea are we having today? You know, my favorite type of tea is Shah, straight from Somalia. Retween cosine. Okay. So we're going to be having steep tea today, and it's going to be Somali tea. Let's do it. episode had to save the best for last that's me that's you who are you tell the people who you are so i said already my name is sarah qasim mohammed um i am an artist um writer specifically um an ongoing student and a semi-activist i think but yeah and i'm also a somali girl just trying to make it day by day why do you say semi like a quasi-activist a quasi-pseudo-activist yeah um my intentions are always good <laughs> i think that's what <laughs> but it but we all have our problematic know, moments but if i go to starbucks i tell them my name's sarah so like, like how much are we really doing love it i say that i'm beyonce when i go to starbucks really because how lit is it to just for the barista to call out like yo beyonce <laughs> everyone's like yeah it's like a celebration like i would ra- i would love to create that environment my go-to name is sarah in like every circumstance mm-hmm. in like starbucks in a fitting room mm-hmm. you know what i mean like just everything why why the go-to name um well it's it's not that far from soretto mm-hmm. but um i think just as someone whose name has always been butchered mm-hmm. dramatically um so my name is Cerado, but I've always gotten the Cerado, mm-hmm. Cerado, Cerado, everything. Um, Sarah was just kind of just like an easy, like, I guess, way to fit in, right? Mm-hmm. Like, it's just like, 
it's 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 a way to exist without being a problem or being difficult in the spaces that you're interacting in. So, mm-hmm. yeah, Sarah, <laughs> when did you pick up this Sarah? I don't know. I think I asked my mom once when I was like in seventh grade. So I'm like, can I just call my Sarah? And she's like, your name's Sarah. And I was like, got it. Um, but I, I just kept doing like I don't really introduce myself as Sarah if I I know I'm going to meet the person again. But it's we all have those moments where you're just like. This is like a one. I'm never gonna see you again. Yeah. You know what I mean? So just make it easy for everybody. Let me just be a Canadian today. <laughs> Let me just wear this suit real quick. Yeah, let's just put Switch this on. coats and everything. So you said that this is something that you had when you were in grade seven. Was this not something that like you thought about when you were younger too? Like, I've always enjoyed my name. Mm-hmm. I really like the name Serado. I'm really arrogant about it. I mean, it. it's beautiful. It's kind of my favorite Salmani name ever. Like, I mean, like, honestly, I'm them. biased. Like, so I can co-sign you my know what aunt's I mean? name Serado, so. I, I just really like the name. Mm-hmm. So I I don't have a problem with the name Serado. I have a problem with the ways in which um, the name Serado is kind of just altered. And it's just, it become, it's Serado. Mm-hmm. I mean, come on. It's mm-hmm. like you're chewing on something like, like it's like you're chewing on bark, like Serado. Like it's, yeah. it's not fun. Mm-hmm. But Serado is like delicious. You know what yeah. I mean? Serado flows, you know? Serado is drinking shah, you know? Like, Serado. <laughs> <laughs> drink shah. Serado is, you know? Yeah, we do. You know what I mean? But mm-hmm. Serado, I don't think so. Serado, mm-mm. Who named you? My father named me. Mm-hmm. My father named me Serado. Um, I think he named me and my sister. Mm-hmm. But I was originally going to be named Fabuma. Oh like my god, the, the typical Somali. We need name. more Fathomas always. Um, <laughs> no, his his mother's name was Fathoma. Mm-hmm. Um, so he was gonna name me after her, and I think he just last minute he just switched up and put a Sarada on it. That was like my dad. Honestly, I was supposed to be called Aaliyah. I love the name Aaliyah. It's, right? it's actually one of my favorite names. Right, it's a beautiful name. And then my dad last minute felt zesty, and he was like, switch it up with the left, like Ginobili, and we'll call you <laughs> some Like, no, I love the name. It's actually one of my favorite names. Like, I might name a kid Aaliyah. Like, Aaliyah. It's, it's just so great. Name. It's just so beautiful. I also really like the name Malika. Mm, like Malika, the angel. Have what? you ever gone by another name? No. Just Sama. Mm-hmm. I mean, obviously, different variations mm-hmm. because, like, name politics and same thing. Like you. People not being able to pronounce it, people changing it differently, people having their own ideas of how a name should be pronounced, even though you correct yeah. them enough times. You wrote an article about this, no? Yeah, I've written several pieces about it, and I, I think it's something that a lot of people identify with. Um, and it's kind of painful when you are going through the emotions of, like, this is who I am. But once you reconcile, like, that's not my name and that's not who I am, we're going to move into something different. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So let's talk about... The fact that you're Somali. That we have two Somali women on the air right now. Hey. Shout out to the squad. 252. Yeah, but hey, 252. But let me know how you're raised. Tell the people. I was always raised um, in an extremely Somali environment. Mm-hmm. Um, when I was younger, at least. I think now it's, it's, it's not as much. But um, you definitely can't tell when you hear my Somali. But it was the first language that I spoke. Mm-hmm. Um, I didn't speak English until I went to school. I actually learned English from my sister. My sister learned English from the television. Mm-hmm. So I was like, Somali was like a really important part of my life. Mm-hmm. Um, a, a lot of my identity with the Somali culture is tied to language, mm-hmm. partially because I'm a writer and I just think words are the, the most important thing on earth. Yeah. Um, but yeah, so my the language has always kind of been the ways in which I either feel attached to my culture or I feel distant from my culture. Um when I was younger, um, I I grew up in a, like in Columbus, Ohio. So a lot of Somali people. My Somali never really added up. My my Somali speaking abilities 
Um, and I think that's when I distanced myself from my culture. It wasn't necessarily because I didn't want to be a part of it. It's just because um, Somalis aren't the, the, the nice type of people to be like, oh, you're messing up the language, but it's cute. It's like it's, mm -hmm. it's a little embarrassing <laughs> to, to mess up badly. So I just stayed quiet. Mm -hmm. um, and I think that's what happens a lot of the time. I think um, our aunts and our uncles, they, they think we're quiet because we don't have anything to say mm -hmm. or because we don't want to speak to them or because we don't want to talk to them on the phone. Mm -hmm. But I think what they don't realize is that we, a lot of us are like really extroverted like I am. And I would love to talk to you. Mm -hmm. I just don't want to mess it up the whole time. So. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, like I realized that a lot when I went to Somalia. I was like, everyone would look at me thinking that I speak Somalia and I'm just like, girl, it's not me. Mm -mm. Like, I'm not the one. Sorry, sis. Yeah, like, I can't tell you anything. Mm -hmm. I only know some threats here and there and I know the food <laughs> that I should know. Naya! Like, like, hello. <laughs> it's like this being jolted and everything. But yeah, so language is something that deeply tied. Somali was your first language. Yeah. And you learned English through your sister who learned it through the television. Definitely, yeah. So like we can tie my ability to speak English through Disney Channel. Like wow. that, <laughs> that's definitely how it happened. Just like my sister was like, I think that's what happens, right? Like when your immigrant parents are around... They have so much, so many things going on that they're like, you're, you just end up watching a lot of TV because mm -hmm. they have so many things going on with yeah. themselves, with school and night shift and mm -hmm. all the TOEFL tests and yeah. all those types of things. Um, so then, yeah, we spent a lot of time watching TV and that's how my sister learned English. Honestly, and, like the power of media. Yeah. Like, that taught you a language that you now speak every day. Absolutely. Mm -hmm. on from language you said that it ties you very closely to your culture mm -hmm. how did you kind of move through that when you now spoke english in predominantly like english speaking spaces did you feel kind of distance like what was that relationship well i think i've always had a tricky relationship with the english language mm -hmm. um it's extremely ironic that I am a writer mm -hmm. and I use the English language, so I should be kind of in love with it, mm -hmm. but it's not really like a love. It's kind of like a resentment. It's kind of like we both like this apartment, so we're both paying rent, but we don't <laughs> like this. <laughs> we don't like this living situation, mm -hmm. you know what I mean? But the view is so nice yeah. that we got to both stay here. Um, yeah, I've always been kind of like resentful of the English language. Like, I'm, I'm not passionate about the English language. I just use it. Um, I think I speak English well mm -hmm. so with that little pause maybe i don't but <laughs> <laughs> no um yeah i've always had a, a tricky relationship with the english language um i had a problem when i was younger a lot where i associated someone's intelligence mm -hmm. with how well they spoke english mm -hmm. that definitely kind of like came up in my household where um my mother for example very educated woman speaks somali she speaks italian she speaks english as well um, but when she speaks English, she has like a mix of an Italian Somali accent. And I think that always took a toll on like what I what I viewed her abilities to be. And it never should have because she's the smartest woman I've ever met in my life. But I definitely had like a bias about how well adjusted someone was or um, how Canadian or American we really were, depending on how well my parents could speak English. Mm -hmm. um, yeah. How'd you reconcile with that as you grew older? 
I think, I think when I grew older, it was just kind of like, it's, it was definitely been an active process of unlearning, unlearning all the things that I've learned about what it means to not be from somewhere. Um, and I'm sure you can relate to this as well, but when you're, when you're in the diaspora, you never really feel like you're a part of any place. You always feel like you're dancing in between different spaces. Mm -hmm. Um, so I think when I when I realized that I was still changing and I was still growing, one of the things that I did was I just started to accept myself. And I know that sounds kind of cheesy, but I started to just, um, I realized the value of Somali culture. I realized that it was nothing to be embarrassed of, but it was actually the thing that kind of buttressed. I only kind of write that word. I never actually say it. <laughs> I just realized. Um, but yeah, it kind of um, instilled in me like an understanding of my identity. And when I stopped running from it and I started understanding it and I started to kind of gravitate towards it, I started understanding myself better. Mm -hmm. so. so that's kind of a weird complex that you have, like being very close to language, being very distanced to really getting into the culture. Do, mm -hmm. you, do you see what I'm saying? Absolutely. So considering the fact that you have this interesting complex going on of being really tied to language and kind of using English as this it's a convenient factor. What was it like to be in English-speaking spaces and obviously in a Western society, but also formulate your identity through culture? Do you see what I'm saying? Something where it's like you are constantly at home learning who you are, learning your traditions, learning your customs, while also moving into that space where you need a code switch, just like you were talking about. Anybody who's in the diaspora would know you move into a space where it's like, I need to be this person. Um, what was that like when you were younger, kind of navigating between one identity to the next? I think I just kind of accepted the fact that I would never be a white girl. Mm -hmm. Like, it's it's odd in the sense that you always think that, or maybe I did, because I grew up at, well, I grew up in Columbus, Ohio, but then I moved to London, Ontario when I was mm -hmm. like 12. Um, and I was in a school, like a private school, a lot of my friends were white for a while, middle school and things like that. Um, and I think I just reached a point where I realized, like, no matter how much, like, under eyeliner you wear or, like, no matter how much One Tree Hill you watch, mm -hmm. even though I did enjoy both of those things a little too much, mm -hmm. um, you're never going to be a white girl. Like, it's it's just not going to happen. Mm -hmm. You know what I mean? Like, I realized that, like, some of the girls I admired in my class that I, I admired, like, I I gawked at them. I realized they, they, were, they weren't that special. Mm -hmm. They were really just white girls. Like, you know, like when you start realizing that, you're like, wow, like I, I was shook. Mm -hmm. Like I really, I put a lot on these people. You mm -hmm. know what I mean? Um, when I realized that like no matter what, I was, I was never going to be fully a part of them mm -hmm. is when I realized that I needed to find my own lane. Mm -hmm. um, and that's when I started finding myself in Somali culture. But interestingly, I don't know if I, if I still am in Somali culture I I consider myself more in Somali like diaspora culture. Mm -hmm. I think I fit in well there. Mm -hmm. I don't know if I would have the same like conversation with someone who actually grew up in Somalia. Even there are age like even it's strange when you think of someone from Somalia, Somalia, we mm -hmm. think of like our parents, but we don't realize that like no, there's actually people in Somalia right now born in 1995. Yeah. Like you like mm -hmm. would I vibe with them the same way? I don't know. I don't think we would. Yeah. I think that that's the problem that a lot of the diaspora feel. Even if the language barrier wasn't there, I just yeah. don't. Like, we we don't have the same life experiences, and we're always going to be seen as flowers in their eyes, just like people who come in for seasons and then leave. Absolutely. And it's hard, and we have to reconcile with that, but it's it also creates a new community of the Somali diaspora, right? Mm -hmm. Just seeing another Somali person across the street 
or at school or in the workplace and you're just like, yo, squad. Because you know that they are kind of in that same space. Absolutely. Mm-hmm. Yeah, no, it's like we're all like traveling someplace and then we all got like stuck in the waiting room yeah. and the waiting room became the destination. You know what I mean? Like they're all just like here, like, okay, <laughs> might as well just turn up here. That is the, the best analogy. Yeah. The waiting room became the destination. It became the destination. Yeah. Like, and that's like, where we live, bro. We're like, all here. I mean, we make homes and we move on. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And we kind of just deal with it. We make homes together. We create yeah. a community. Yeah. I like that. I like mm-hmm. that. We make homes together. Considering that this was kind of your past, the background, the context um, of your life, just really loving Somali language, but also seeing yourself as wanting to aspire to be a white girl. I mean, out there's one point, there were several points in my life. In fact, all of my childhood where I was like, no, like one day I'll, I'll achieve that status. That, yeah. that it's privilege. But I, when I was younger, I couldn't put my finger on what that was. Mm-hmm. And it was essentially privilege of being seen as the beautiful, the one you want to aspire to be in class, right? And you always just have this, you know, one day like my hair will look like that or one day like my makeup will sit on my face like that. Mm-hmm. And then having that moment of being like, that's not going to be me. Like that, I got to make my own direction, right? So considering all of this, how is that formulated to who you are today? The Sedeva that I'm speaking with right yeah. now. Yeah. Um, so first I'd like to shout out Tumblr. Hey. Tumblr did a lot, like me and my sister spoke about it recently, like, Tumblr did a lot, especially because I'm not a light-skinned Somali girl, for example, right? Mm-hmm. So it it's always been an active process of appreciating the fact that I am I'm dark-skinned, mm-hmm. right? Like I don't have like basically straight hair, mm-hmm. like these types of things. So even the East African women that we do like, you know what I mean? But the rappers. I kind of float. Sometimes I'll get, I'll catch like I'll catch that. Sometimes, sometimes you'll I catch won't. that nice wave. Yeah, like you know what I mean. Won't. Sometimes it'll work in my favor. Mm-hmm. Sometimes it won't. It's you know. Mess. So. Um, I, I just want to shout out Tumblr because it was really just a, like, it was kind of like curating what you wanted to see. Like I couldn't watch TV and just see what I wanted to see like that. You mm-hmm. know what I mean? Um, but to actually just see visuals of black people that I found beautiful, that I didn't find beautiful at some point, And that just through constantly reblogging them, I started to find beauty inside of them mm-hmm. and then later find beauty inside of myself. That was really, really powerful. I don't know if Tumblr did that for everybody else. Tumblr did it for me, for sure. I found it at the right time, I think. So When did you find it? I I found it a little later than I think most people did. Like, I found it, like, um, I think the beginning of university, end of high school. Wow, that's late. Yeah, mm-hmm. I think people have been into Tumblr. Like, mm-hmm. some people had it for a minute. Yeah. I, I found it, like, peak angst, like, 15. Yeah. No, I, I saw it. I knew it then, but I didn't have my own blog. Like I had, there were some poets that I followed and they, they would put some things on Tumblr. Mm-hmm. So then I would go on Tumblr just to read it, just to read it. But it. I never like reblogged anything or mm-hmm. anything like that. But then I was just like, hey, that's funny. But it's funny because my Tumblr now is just like, it's just like things that make me laugh. Mm-hmm. So representation really helped formulate who you are today. Absolutely. Mm-hmm. It's crucial. It's so crucial. Like not even just like in the symbolic sense that it's like, it's nice to see somebody. It's like you cannot imagine yourself in a in the place you want to be if you don't see someone else doing it. Mm-hmm. You know, like you don't understand what your potential even is 
if you don't recognize the potential in the people around you. So, mm-hmm. yeah, it was definitely important for me. So what about your craft? Did that help you? Did writing kind of ease the way through therapy and catharsis? Absolutely. Yeah, like, um, I think sometimes people think that writing is, like, it's, like, the answer. It's, like, what you have decided. Mm-hmm. But I think a lot of the times people don't realize that, like, writing is, like, you figuring out your thoughts and mm-hmm. you just happen to catch it on paper. Yeah. You know, like, Straight you're up. really, like, I'm someone that talks to myself all the time. Like, all the time I'm talking to myself. That's like, a really good habit, Out too. loud. Mm-hmm. No, my mom doesn't think so. But, <laughs> <laughs> but um, yeah, I'm always, like, I'm always in conversation with myself, like, qu- literally. Mm-hmm. So I think that's what writing let me do is kind of, like, work through that and just actually have something at the end of it. Mm-hmm. Um, it makes it sound pretty sometimes. Mm-hmm. But, yeah. How did um, your writing also kind of build your appreciation for your parents? Because I know in a lot of your pieces you do – say an anecdote of like you kind of shutting down your mom about something with schoolwork and Mm -hmm. her not being able to speak English and so my woman can't help with such Mm -hmm. things right and now you don't have that outlook you write back at this as a very a violent memory that you remember that came out of your mouth right Mm -hmm. so how did writing help you get to that space um so I think when it comes to art it's there's always things that you like when you're when you're consuming art. Mm-hmm. So before I actually became a writer, well, I think I was always. I think artists are always artists. I, mm-hmm. I just think it like it depends on when they find out. But yeah. I think an artist is always an artist. You just are hit with a bug. Like yeah, you, from birth. No, you, I think you, you have can just bug. tell. Mm-hmm. And I think also like that's why like I don't know. Sometimes artists just have different conversations with each other. Like I think mm-hmm. you can kind of see it in other people as well. Mm-hmm. But so when I started writing before I even did that, it was just like reading. Um, and just watching a lot of poetry, just YouTube. YouTube helped me out a lot. Um, and I think my own writing started to come into fruition when I realized there were things that I wanted to see. So, you know when you put like a really specific search of something? Like, I want to see a poem about this, 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 and that, that, that. And then you don't find it because like no one else has had that exact specific experience. Yeah. That's when you're just like, okay, I can't find that. So maybe I should make it. Mm-hmm. And I think a lot of filmmakers do that too. Like they mm-hmm. make what they want to see, right? Mm-hmm. Um and I think through the process of writing what I wanted to read, of saying what I wanted to hear, um, I kind of like in some ways was like reassuring myself, becoming more confident in myself. Um, and sometimes when you read something back, you forget that you wrote it. Like mm-hmm. I don't not not like in the sense that it's like it's so good. I don't know who wrote that. Like in the sense that it's like um, it hits you almost like a, a poem written by somebody else would hit you. And I think that's the purpose. Mm-hmm. It's a it's a purpose of like connection of like really being like seeped in of like being in something with someone else you know so yeah wow i just got like completely absorbed into that yeah sorry my ramblings no it was really nice How did your sister become who she is today? My sis- I think a lot of people don't know this. My sister is actually an incredible writer. Mm. She was a writer way before I was a writer. <laughs> yeah. I n- knew about poetry or anything mm-hmm. or anything like that through my sister. My mm-hmm. sister is a really, really, really good writer. Mm-hmm. Um, and she always loved to read. I didn't like to read as a kid. Um, but she always was... There was always a book in her hand. Um, she was really like introverted in a way that I was extroverted Mm -hmm. um 
really studious, but not just because she like wants to get somewhere. Like she actually like enjoys learning. Mm-hmm. Um, and yeah, and I think, I think at a certain point she just became sure of herself in the sense that she knew um, that she was a genius and that there are certain things she was destined to do and that there are certain impacts that she knew she was supposed to make on this earth and she just decided that she was going to make those things. Mm-hmm. And then one step at a time, mm-hmm. Cambridge University, turn up. <laughs> yeah. So she is definitely a big Somali representation. For me, definitely, mm-hmm. yeah. And seeing that, obviously, like you mentioned earlier, seeing people like you in places that you want to be, places that you want to go, things that you want to do, things that you want to see. I mean, how is it like that when you look at your mom, who is in such a formative role in Somali government, or your sister, who's literally doing the most in the UK? My inspirations have always been Somali women. Mm -hmm. Like, it's the the people that I've always looked up to have always been Somali women. Um, I was raised by really, really fierce Somali women, like women that aren't told to be quiet, Mm -hmm. women that are not agreeable. It's a very matrilineal culture. Really, Mm -hmm. really. Um, And yeah, my my mother has always has always kind of been like um, a basis or like a a stencil kind of that I could like kind of navigate the world. Um, yeah, and she's definitely been, like, an inspiration to me and my sister as well to kind of figure out who I want to be on Earth. Mm-hmm. So your relationship with your culture is very representative. It's seeing people like you doing things, looking up to people like you so you can have that motivation, that inspiration to achieve what you want to achieve, to write what you want to write. Mm-hmm. Um, is this what you want to push on to your fellow Somali women? Absolutely. I I always want us to be in conversation with one another, mm. especially because I think a lot of the times um, the ways we feel, we think we're the only ones that feel that way. I think that's what is so beautiful about art in the ways that it can resonate in different people mm-hmm. in um, like one piece of, of art can, can mean different things to different people. Mm-hmm. But there's so many connections that we have that we won't even realize we have unless we actually talk about these things. Mm-hmm. Um, and we don't necessarily actually have to just have like a physical conversation about it. Sometimes we can just have that conversation through a form of art, through a film, through, through text, through, through music. Um, I think representation is absolutely important. I think everything, I think the, the way that I kind of live my life, it's always kind of like, like an input output like I'm always I'm definitely not the person that I was a year ago I really don't even think I was the person I was a month ago yeah um that's why I can't really be someone who plans things like five years ahead I don't know where I'm gonna be in a year from now mm-hmm. I don't I kind of don't know where I'm gonna be a couple months from now yeah. but I, there's always something that is put on me there's always like an input and then I there's an output afterwards mm-hmm. um so I think art a lot of time is that input. It's something that changes you and then you kind of like mold, you kind of react. Mm-hmm. Um, and you're kind of like fluid in a sense. You're not a person yet. You're like someone in the process of becoming a person all the time. So with this input, I'm going to make you, I'm going to push you a little and ask you what is that output for the coming months, for the future, for whatever your goal is. Yeah. Um, so I think... In this particular moment in my life, I'm graduating university. 
Um, I'm someone who, like most people, has been in school all their life. Mm-hmm. Um, and it's scary to say that I don't know, but I don't know. Mm-hmm. I really don't know where I'm going to be. Um, it's hard because I do like structure and I do like some discipline in my life. Like, But at this point in my life, I think I just have to be a, a, like a, I don't know like a one step at a time type of person. Mm-hmm. Um, I don't really know what I want to do yet. I kind of know where I want to go a little bit because mm-hmm. I definitely don't want to stay here. Yeah. But maybe like a London, England mm-hmm. or like Toronto. Mm-hmm. But I realized that even the places that I want to go, they're creative places. Mm-hmm. So I kind of always like find art scenes and I try and join them a little bit. So mm-hmm. how does this dialogue with your culture, what you want your future to be? Um, well, I've been considering a lot even going to Somalia. Um, I've only been to Somalia once. It was with my mother. Um, I'm considering what it would mean now if I went to Somalia for like a period of time, maybe like half a year and kind of figured it out or learned my language properly. Would I be able to really live there? Um, I think I'm also at a point in my life where I'm figuring out if I do want to like be participating in like the active process of building Somalia or if I should just stay in my lane and be in the diaspora a little bit. (laughs) Um, Yeah. I mean, you've built a home in the destination. Exactly. That is the waiting room. The waiting room. You know Mm -hmm. what I mean? So when you do travel to Somalia and kind of figure out a little bit more about who you are, do you want to be that representation that you didn't see when you were younger? Absolutely. Mm-hmm. Like everything I do, I'm thinking about like an imaginary Sarevo or somebody like Sarevo. A young Somali Sarevo. Absolutely. Mm-hmm. Like I'm thinking about like a little dark skinned Somali girl mm-hmm. that doesn't wear the hijab. Mm-hmm. That's like a little chubbier than she should be at seventh grade. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? Yeah. And like, what does she want to see? Mm-hmm. What does she want to read? What does she want to hear right mm-hmm. now? So everything I do is 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 kind of like to be to be put onto somebody else that I know is needing it at a certain time. So whether it's good or not, I know sometimes some people need to hear something. Um, And that's what I look up to almost in artists as well, is giving me something that I needed to hear. So. been a very fruitful last episode of CP. I'm so happy you came. Thank you. I'm so happy. Oh my goodness. This is, it's, it's just really nice to end this off with hearing about through all the discussions with diaspora being a problem, with diaspora being that kind of soft spot that we're all dealing with, with home not being home sometimes, with not seeing representation and wanting representation. It's just nice to end off with what we all want to see and what we all want to be for the future in relation with our culture and how it affects who we are when we're younger and really impact us subliminally throughout the rest of our lives. Thank you for having me. Honestly, like, how can people reach you, Sarevo? Okay, so, um, <laughs> how can you reach me? <laughs> so, my Tumblr is Matthew McCona Slay. Love it. So, between the McCona and the Slay, there's like the the dash what is that i never know what that's it's called a dash. I'm graduating university i know what that's called um twitter brace face killer hit me up <laughs> so funny guys do it yep and that's me so thank you guys for tuning into the last episode 
of Steve T. As always, go to the Sisterhood Media Facebook page, sisterhoodmedia.net, for more content. And stay tuned for next season. Bye.